Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the, the U.S. US. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Eye on Veterans is a weekly program focused on the men and women who have served our nation in uniform and their families. We're powered by ConnectingVets.com. Always a great place to find military news, veteran news, resources, and stories about the veteran lifestyle. We know because we're vets ourselves. On this episode of CBS Eye on Veterans, we'll join the conversation about the coronavirus. Is it going to get worse? We'll hear from the podcast Military Matters, where host Rod Rodriguez spoke with an expert in disaster medicine and a U.S. Army physician about how much this disease is expected to spread. What's the big deal about a disease I'm likely to survive? This is uh, more virulent. And so it is It is more infectious and it is more lethal than your common cold and, or flu. And then in non-coronavirus-related news, we'll meet a true rock star. An artist who truly understands our wounded warriors. Def Leppard's iconic drummer and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Rick Allen. I understand uh, self-medication. Um, that's a slippery slope. Um, I understand rage. I understand, uh, you know, all of the same thing. Isolation. Uh, as soon as I start to isolate, I know that th- that's, that's going to be a trigger at some point. Mm. So I have to stay active in the community. I have to keep, uh, you know, working uh, and being of service. So welcome to what is probably the strangest era any of us have ever experienced. I'm not only doing this show from my house, but I'm actually forbidden from going to our Washington, D.C. studios. 
In fact, in many cities, we're now forbidden from gathering in groups, going to restaurants, bars, having coffee in coffee shops, doing yoga at yoga studios, working out in the gym. It's like we're living in a movie. And recently, my colleague at ConnectingVets.com, Army veteran Rod Rodriguez, did a seriously interesting podcast about the coronavirus. It's called Military Matters. And on this episode, he talks with an Army doctor about the virus and discovers why some of the steps the government is taking, which I admit seemed a little excessive at first, just may be what we need to save us from ourselves. You're listening to this podcast because you want to know more about what is popularly called coronavirus. It feels like there's a lot of information about it and there's no information about it. So what is the coronavirus? What does it look like if you have it? And what does this virus have to do with information warfare? How can you do your part in what the World Health Organization has declared a pandemic? I'm Rod Rodriguez. I'm Desmond Ferris. All that and more on this special edition of Military Matters. We're trying to figure out exactly the mechanism of the uh, of this uh, virus. That's Dr. Kamal Kalsi. He's an emergency room doctor working in New Jersey and New York. He's an expert in disaster medicine and also a U.S. Army physician. Dr. Kalsi will not be speaking on behalf of or as a representative of the Army, but he does bring his vast experience to this conversation. It seems that it, it starts to replicate heavily uh, within the lung tissue. It causes, at least on X-ray or CT, sort of this patchy ground glass uh, type infiltrate, again, on the X-ray and, and CAT scans. So it, it looks like a bad pneumonia. It looks like maybe an almost like an ARDS uh, uh, type of picture, acute respiratory distress, where uh, your your body mounts this this huge inflammatory response in response to the infection. Uh, and, and sometimes the inflammatory response is what, what actually gets, gets you uh, even sicker uh, and prevents you from oxygenating and uh, you become hypoxic and, and then you die. The coronavirus family is actually a pretty chill group for the most part. Most of the viruses in that family are relatively harmless. Again, for the most part, they account for a quarter of all the colds that we get. The coronavirus family is a diverse one. Some viruses in this family live in humans, and others live in animals. Where things get weird is when a coronavirus that lives within the animal world mutates and makes the jump to humans. It seems that a portion of those people will then, after the first five days, go on to more serious illness. And so those people will start to develop a more severe cough, high fevers, they'll start getting shorter breath, they may develop chest pain, and they'll have uh, sort of more of a pneumonia type of picture. And they will, they're the ones that will potentially go into acute respiratory distress and acute respiratory failure in the second week. You know, so if you, if you start to feel uh, shorter breath or you start to feel chest pain, you feel like you're, you're starting to get very, very sick, then I think you should follow up with your, uh, you know, go see your doctor right away. Uh, but if, if you're just having mild symptoms, you know, I, I think the best thing to do is to self-isolate at least for the next week and until your symptoms are completely gone for, the, for 48 hours. So if you're sick with COVID-19, there's a really good chance you're going to be all right by using over-the-counter medications to treat your symptoms. Essentially, we just treat, uh, have them treat their symptoms with 
what they would normally take for a cold and flu, you know, stuff that's readily available at your at your local pharmacy, uh, you know, with good instructions to to come back if their symptoms get worse. So if they start developing really high fevers, uh, they start getting shorter breath or they start developing chest pain, then they need to come back and, and, and let us check them out. And at that point, we would have to uh, take some more significant measures. But for the vast majority of people, they should just be able to treat this with, with what you would normally would treat a cold and flu. Here's the thing about COVID-19 that you need to understand. Most people can contract SARS-CoV-2, develop COVID-19, and be okay. The mortality rate is relatively low for folks under 50 and healthy. But here's the part you need to consider if you're asking yourself, what's the big deal about a disease I'm likely to survive? The big deal is actually two parts. The first part is all about the spread. This is, uh, this is more virulent, and so it is... It is more infectious and it is more lethal than your common cold and or flu. There's a value that that uh, that's called the the R naught that describes the infectivity of a particular agent. The R naught value is a mathematical term that indicates how contagious an infectious disease is. It's also referred to as the reproduction number. As an infection spreads to new people, it reproduces itself. The r naught number tells you the average number of people who will catch a disease from one contagious person. It specifically applies to a population of people who were previously free of infection and haven't been vaccinated, like all of us. If a disease has an r naught value of 5, a person who has the disease will transmit it to an average of 5 other people in their community. So the r naught value of a flu, you know, roughly uh, between... Uh, one and 1.2. The the infectivity rate of, of this is somewhere between one and two. Uh, we think it may be uh, closer to two, but some of that data is still coming in. Something like uh, measles has uh, infectivity rate that is significantly higher. But you know this is this 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 is not something that we we really should be waiting around to collect data on. I think we have enough data from uh, all over the world to show us that this is uh, this is going to be something bad. Um, and this is uh, something that if we do, don't take drastic measures for uh, right now is, is going to leave a, uh, a lot of people dead, unfortunately. So part one of what's the big deal about a disease I'm likely to survive is that the r naught value or reproduction rate is likely higher than the flu. We don't know exactly because we can't test for COVID-19 everywhere. The only people getting tested are folks with the worst symptoms. So it's very possible that the r naught value is way higher. So how do we know who has the coronavirus? Are people really walking around sick and untested? When we come back, we'll hear more about the secondary effects of this outbreak and meet someone who was showing all the signs but was still denied a test for COVID-19. That's ahead when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now in this segment, we're going to keep talking about the coronavirus with my colleague at ConnectingVets.com, Army veteran Rod Rodriguez. Now on his podcast, Military Matters, he recently learned from medical experts 
some significant things about the virus, the pandemic, and advice we should all be taking. Part two of what's the big deal about a disease I'm likely to survive? Well, it's not about you. It's about the population that is most vulnerable to the worst parts of this disease. Initial reports indicated that it was people over 50 with respiratory issues that were most vulnerable, which is still true, but anyone with respiratory issues, regardless of age, is in danger of COVID-19. Young and old with compromised immune systems and pre-existing health issues are in the high-risk categories. So you blow off the warnings and you go out. Don't wash your hands, contract the virus, go to work, give the virus to a coworker whose child is battling cancer. You might have just passed SARS-CoV-2 to a child with a compromised immune system or to an elderly person on the bus going to their doctor's appointment or maybe to your own parent or grandparent. I don't think you're out of the clear, even, even if you're a young, healthy person. That's Dr. Kamal Kalsi. He's an emergency room doctor working in New Jersey and New York. Again, this just based on the data that's coming in, 2% of those that are hospitalized are, are kids. And I think earlier today, we, uh, some seven-year-old child was, was uh, admitted and uh, diagnosed with coronavirus here in our, our local area. I think the first person that was diagnosed here in New Jersey was a 32-year-old uh, physician assistant. I think he's he's given a few interviews. He doesn't he doesn't look too good, and you know we 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 all hope he uh, he pulls out of this okay. But you know I think just because you're otherwise young and healthy and have no comorbidities, it does not make you immune to developing complications. You know, you know, young, healthy people are getting sick. And what we saw in, in China and other parts of the world, young, healthy people did die. You know, one of the first, first doctors to sort of sound the alarm in, in Wuhan uh, actually died from this. And he was, as far as, as far as I know, a young, healthy individual. All right. So as we've heard now... People are making their plans and they're making their preparations, self-quarantining, staying out of bars and restaurants, doing virtually everything they can to stop the spread of this disease. But what if it's already here? What if people have it right now and don't know it? And what if they're having problems getting tested for it? Well, I've talked to dozens of veterans. I've talked to dozens of veterans groups. I've seen chat rooms and Twitter threads full of people saying, I had the flu. I went to the hospital. I couldn't get tested. But I wanted to know more. What does that really look like? And sure enough, within my own circle of friends, with two clicks of a Facebook, a guy named Kobe Ali, who I've known virtually half my life, and uh, he's on the phone with me now to share just that experience. Kobe, how are you? Well, I'm feeling much better, Phil. Thank God. It, I, was a, it was a rough run there for a few, though. I know, man. Like last week's Facebook post said it all. You said that you'd had the flu, basically. You'd had a fever. You'd had nausea. You'd been sick as a dog. Describe kind of when this all started and, you know, the journey you went on. So about a week and a half ago, I, you know, was fine. I had felt nothing. I was working. Nothing had been completely shut down. So I'm in sales. I was doing my thing. And, you know, somewhere towards you know, the middle of last week, I started to kind of feel some symptoms, a little scratchy throat, a little stuffy, but you know, we're in allergy season. So I'm still not trying not to be paranoid, but towards the end of the week, I started to get all the symptoms, you know, a little bit achy, headaches, nausea, cough. 
And then by Saturday, I had broken out with a fever. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, then I became concerned because, you know, the TV is going, all the things. So I went to an urgent care facility and they unfortunately did not have the test available, but they were able to test me for strep and the flu, which are, from what I understood, two of the prerequisites for getting the, the COVID test was to test negative for those two things, which I did. So they suggested, you know, you know, when you can get yourself to maybe the emergency room and get the test. But at that point, I was feeling pretty bad. So my, my point was to go home and rest it off. And uh, for a couple of days, it was really pretty. It felt like an extreme flu, you know, the whole uh, fevers, aches, severe cough, the whole nine yards. So a couple of days later, I called my doctor and asked, you know, should I go get the test or should I continue to uh, the quarantine? And he said, well, since you've tested negative for the other two things, you should definitely go get tested because, you know, it would help to understand community spread and things of that nature. So I went to, uh, I went to the Frederick Memorial Hospital and I was told that, yes, they had the test there. And told them my symptoms and everything. They asked me the standard questions about travel and all of those things. And then I was waiting to be seen. When I was seen, the only questions they asked me were, had I traveled overseas or had I knowingly been in contact with anyone that had contracted the virus? For which, you know, I was like, no, obviously. But at this point, I think that the, I was thinking that those questions seem a little late in the game. Here we are in March. You know, I think the foreign travel thing is a little out of the bag. We, we are clearly in a community spread situation. But they literally, even though I was still exhibiting all of those same symptoms, told me that because I did not meet the, I did not meet the requirement for a test because I hadn't been out of the country and I had not knowingly contacted anyone with the virus, which was completely shocking to me. Mm. Shocking to me as well, because explain to me, give us a little context about where your sales region is. I mean, you're next to Washington, D.C., one of the most international mm -hmm. cities in the world. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I was I I'm a regional manager for I'm completely all over Washington, D.C., Maryland and Delaware all the time. And even most recently, I, you know, taken a trip up to Boston for business. I had a little minor surgical procedure just within 10 days before. So I, I let them know all of these things, but that on in concert with the obvious, you know, symptoms I was exhibiting didn't do anything. And I felt like it was kind of like, you know, the killers in the house were locking the doors and windows as if that's going to stop it from harming us. Now, you did everything you could to sort of prevent this, and I'd imagine the self-quarantine just wasn't even an issue because you were sick as a dog. But uh, yeah. were you able to, do you think, stay within a small footprint and, and, and not spread this? Yeah, I mean, I have pretty much been hunkered down with myself and my daughter since, you know, for almost a solid week. And, and days even leading up to me feeling these symptoms, we had kind of been locked in place. Um, so 
I mean, who knows at, at this point and, and my, my whole, it was very eye opening to me because my thought was if this is happening, if people that are exhibiting symptoms aren't able to get tests, how big is this thing? And how many of us has, have actually truly been exposed? As you look at this in the rearview mirror now, um, do you suspect that as a young, healthy individual, you may have just survived COVID-19? Um, I mean, honestly, it kind of feels that way, knowing that I, I didn't have the flu. I didn't have strep. I mean, it, I, I would imagine that that is what, exactly what it was. And if I look back at other friends and colleagues that I've known that have had sort of a mysterious illnesses going back to even January, I mean, who knows? You know, and a lot of people, when you get the flu, you kind of self-diagnose a lot of times, you know, the symptoms and, you know, you don't feel like going through the rigmarole if you feel like you can survive it with a little Theraflu and maybe people actually had COVID-19. And that, that's the, uh, that's the hard part of it because our response to it was so late in the game that I feel like who knows where we truly are in the numbers of who's truly contracted this and has been exposed to it. Maybe the silver lining here is uh, we'll all get a couple extra minutes at home and with our loved ones that uh, we might not have normally had. And uh, who knows, you might actually catch up with that elusive creature you live with called a teenage daughter. I know, uh, the ever elusive creature. But yeah, I know it's not the worst thing in the world to actually have to, you know, pick up the phone and say hello instead of just typing. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. What you're about to hear is a conversation I had in a TV studio, sitting on a bar stool next to one of my idols. If you could count all the people our next guest has inspired, it would fill stadiums. And in fact, when his band plays, they do fill stadiums. But outside of drums and rock and roll, Rick Allen is an artist that is an inspiration to veterans everywhere. Because like many of our wounded heroes, he too has recovered from a life-altering injury. So it's my pleasure to introduce rock and roll Hall of Famer, Def Leppard drummer, and uh, a guy I'm a big fan of, Rick Allen, Def Leppard. That's cool, man. Thank you. Nice introduction. Thank you, man. Nice to meet you, buddy. Yeah, and you too. Well, before we get to why you're here, we had a lot to cover. You're Mm -hmm. gonna, we're gonna talk about the artwork that you have on display. Mm -hmm. We're gonna talk about some of the projects you've been involved with that have inspired veterans. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to just kind of start because the incident that kind of makes this significant uh, is something very special to your past, and it's very special to those of us that have followed the band Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. And that is knowing that when you guys were at the top of the charts with Pyromania, yeah. uh, 80s, uh, you had a car wreck. I know. And it cost you an arm. I know. And as a drummer, you'd think that'd be like the end-all, be-all. But you bring something to the table when you talk to a wounded warrior that is so legitimate. Let's go back a little bit in time and share with me, like, you never once gave up. No, it's, it's true. And, and actually, when I first had my accident, uh, there was an air of, I just wanted to disappear and I didn't want to be around people and I didn't think I could do this anymore. Uh, but um, I think uh, the support of my family, uh, the support of um, the band, the band were great. You know, they kind of left it up to me, you know, Mm. to make the call on, you know, if I wanted to do this anymore. 
And, and of course, fans from all over the, the globe, you know, reached out and just gave me so much, so much love. You know, I, uh, I, I couldn't ignore that. And then um, that, that feeling of wanting to give up was kind of short lived because for whatever reason, I, I discovered the, the power of the human spirit. And that really, that was a springboard into I was unstoppable. And um, I think the thing that helped me more than anything was to stop um, comparing myself to how I used to be and stop comparing myself to others and, um, and kind of realize how unique it was to be, to be playing drums the way that, uh, that, that I was. Yeah. So it was a combination of things. And, um, you know, I, I, I was inspired by, the, uh, by our warriors uh, sort of quite a bit later. Uh, that was uh, sort of 2006. I remember visiting uh, Walter Reed Army Medical and I saw a lot of suffering, but I also saw a lot of potential and I'd done a lot of work on myself. So uh, I think they got a lot out of it. And shortly after that, uh, we refocused uh, from uh, general population to really concentrating on vets, and that's when Project Resiliency w- was born, mm. and that and that was that was something that really focused on on our vets. And you're so good. I can just tell as an entertainer, you've actually I don't even have to ask the questions. He's got ah. the next question every <laughs> single time. That's awesome. Um, I want to pick up on just one real quick thing you said uh, about recovering, and that is you didn't you stopped comparing your drum style to the way you used to drum. Yeah. And that's something that with our warfighters, it's so cool you can bring that to the table because I think so many guys end up, you know, after they've been in the mix and, you know, they wound up kind of spun up, they come back. They're probably still comparing themselves to them to their old self. Yeah. And a guy like you can really get in there with some legitimacy and be like, hey, man, I'm not just a textbook. I'm not just a clinician. I've been there and I had to quit thinking I'm going to drum like pyromania and I'm going to... Hey, it, create a new sound. It, it still comes up. I mean, you know, there are times when, man, you know, can you imagine how how I could play if I was still like, you know, my old self, my old physical self. But that's short lived these days because then, you know, the compliments I get from the guys in the band and, um, you know, just uh, just doing something um in a way that is unique, mm-hmm. um, you know, the information was there in my head. It, it was, well, how do I, how do I channel this? How, how do I get everything else, else involved? And it was really interesting, the recovery process. I was very, uh, I was very uh, um, right-handed, uh, very uh, right-footed when it came to playing soccer or whatever. And then not so long after I got out of hospital, I realized that just naturally, I could kick with my left leg nearly as well as my right. And then all the information is like some of my left hand went into my right hand. So all that information, it was, it was sort of, I could express myself. And it was like hints of what my left hand used to do in all three other limbs. So it was, oh, really, it was cool. really, yeah, it was like the brain just sort of takes over. Yeah, and, it was and, like and, a, yeah. almost like a natural response to, you know, to a traumatic situation. And it was like, you know, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. And, mm. and, and that was interesting to experience that. And I can imagine the guys at Walter Reed hearing that and going, man, OK, that gives me hope because now I know I'll <clears> be able to do something similar, whether it's my leg, whether it's my arm, you know, my brain will rewire and I'll find a new definition of me. 
Um, new normal. What, new uh, normal is it? I've, I've, I've heard that term used. And uh, yeah. Uh, something else I like, because you're a rock star and you got a dark <laughs> sense of humor, uh, is another story I heard. And I know the military veterans, you know, we have a sick sense of humor too. Oh, yeah, I know. Tell me the story <laughs> about. Uh, the static electricity and like the oh, star god. And, oh, you and guys. like the nurse's leg oh, god. or whatever. Oh, tell, god. Come on, come on. You got to tell me that. One. Uh, you like, heard that on Stern. I did. Yeah, I did yeah, yeah. Stern. Um, yeah. So, uh, there, like a few a few weeks after I, I came round, there was still like a physical presence, almost like uh, static electricity, but I couldn't necessarily control where where my arm was. It was like I'd wake up in the morning and be you know over here. I'd wake up another time, it'd be over here. So it was just, I couldn't really control it. So I remember sitting there and the nurse is dressing my wounds. And, uh, you know, I, I could feel my arm was misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't do anything about it. So I looked up and I said, uh, I, think, I, think my, I think my hand is up your, up your screen. <laughs> And she just looked at me and she said, I know. <laughs> oh, she can feel it too. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, it, was, it was really, that, yeah. Talk about giving a military veteran some hope. No, I, and, and I, you'll I'm, be able to do that, guys. No, I mean, you know, the addendum being, you know, it, it really wasn't me. Yeah, right. No, it wasn't. It was, it was just, uh, but then, uh, unfortunately, after, after a few weeks, that static electricity started to shrink back into my body. I still feel, you know, what what the the guys call, you know, phantom phantom, phantom pain. Yeah, I said yeah, phantom star. limb. Phantom yeah, limb. same thing. Um, but it's not an actual physical presence. So, okay. You know, so I was I was lucky to experience that. I mean, the physical <laughs> presence, <laughs> of course. Uh, you do. You're lucky to experience it. Either oh way. God, okay. <laughs> you're sick. They're lucky to experience <laughs> you when you started out at Walter Reed, and you ended up making Project Resiliency. Uh, we kind of hinted at it earlier. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what it is. Uh, Project Resiliency is really, really just uh, concentrating more on the needs of our veterans. Um, it's um, sometimes more alternative uh, ways of uh, helping uh, people to heal. Uh, Equine-assisted uh, therapy is great. Um, uh, we've done ropes course, you know, team building exercises. Uh, breathing, meditation, diet is a big one also. Because a lot of the time, um, I find that uh, they're all jacked up on, on, on energy drinks. Uh, oh, and, and, yeah. and, and what we tried to do... The rippets. Yeah, what we tried to do was settle the nervous system by introducing, say, juicing. Or, you know, just kind of calming things down a little bit. And the few guys that I know uh, that adopted, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the things they experienced working with Project Resiliency, um, they were actually able to re start to reduce their meds, which was which was really impressive. I'm not I'm I'm not against it. I think I think the meds are important, but you know, it, it's meant to be more temporary and and sort of a stepping stone into a sort of a healthier way of life. And we'll be back with more from my conversation with Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen when CBS Eye on Veterans returns.
Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, recently, I had a chance to talk with Rick Allen. Most know him as the drummer for the legendary rock band Def Leppard. But less known is his work as an artist. In this next part of our interview, we'll talk about how Rick is using his artwork to help a very special veterans charity. And we'll pick back up at the part of the interview where Rick is talking about how he personally identifies with any combat wounded vet. They were actually able to re- start to reduce their meds, which was which was really impressive. I'm not I'm I'm not against it. I think I think the meds are important, but you know, it's meant to be more temporary and, and sort of a stepping stone into a sort of a healthier way of life. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's kind of what we, what we promote. Which is cool because, I mean, whether it was your injury or just generally being in rock and roll, I mean, we know that's a hazard of that industry. It, it and can people be. people self-medicate. <clears throat> and it's cool to hear it from somebody like you that says, hey, I've also been there. Don't do that. No, or, I mean, or, I, you know. There's yeah. more than a prescription bottle that will help heal you. No, it's true. It's true. And I do under- I understand uh, self-medication. Um, that's a slippery slope. Um, I understand rage. I understand, uh, you know, all of the same thing. Isolation. Mm. Uh, as soon as I start to isolate, I know that, that that's, that's going to be a trigger at some point. Mm. So I have to stay active in the community. Have to keep, uh, you know, working uh, and being of service, and I think that that is a huge component. Now, where is Project Resiliency? Where does it take place? It can be it can be anywhere, but some of the the programs that we've implemented are uh, more California based. Okay, and you can find it at projectresiliency.org. Excellent. Now, other things you can find of yours online is this artwork, which we're here for. And right. uh, you get a couple gallery showings in the D.C. area and, in fact, across the country. Tell me about art. Um, how did you get into doing that? Obviously, you're a drummer. You're on concert tours. Was this something you just chose to pick up in your spare time to fill the void when you're not playing music? Um, I, I actually came back around to it. Uh, as a kid, I was always really interested in uh, in, in art and just creating you know, just creating. And then I discovered music. Um, so, you know, that took a little bit of backseat. I started getting more into uh, photography. And then uh, more recently, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, I started painting with her and realized that uh, where she goes when she's painting, you know, in, that, in the moment, and, and, and that really sort of heart-based sort of activity where you can't think of anything, you're just in the moment, mm-hmm. I, I, I went, that's exactly where I go when I play music. So why, why can't I do that when I, when I paint? And when I started to paint in that way of just being in the moment, that's when the magic happens. So, you know, it was, cool. uh, it's, it, I mean, it's great. And it's a lot less physical than playing drums, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> is she a tough critic when you're painting with her? Oh, she, yeah. Oh, Daddy, yeah. that and, does not look like an octopus. That no, is no, no, she sounds like one of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think it's very special that you key in on the fact that your mind does go somewhere. And, you know, we talk again, about the wounded warriors, or we talk about veterans in general, but you don't have to be wounded. You don't have to have had an injury. You don't even have to have like any specific reason because life doles out trauma and drama. Yeah. And being able to find that quiet place, find that activity that makes that part of your brain tick 
Yeah. Is so cathartic and it just heals you. I think it's really important and we really encourage that. You know, um, you know, some vets uh, would be like, oh, I used to draw or I used to paint or I used to do this or I used to love going into nature or whatever. Right, right. All these things are great because it creates a situation that is either A, bigger than yourself or um, it creates a situation where you feel important again. You, 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 you kind of, you know, reinventing yourself. And I think it's it's important to do that. You know, yeah. find other things that, that that make you feel good about yourself. It's sort of funny you say that. I was going to wear my grunt style shirt. No, today. it's great. I love it. And <laughs> and I kind of pride myself because, like, you know, as a Navy guy, I was not all that accomplished. I mean, you're not sitting next to a former admiral. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was an enlisted grunt, but uh, you know, I didn't have any major accomplishments. And and when I look back now, you know, I keep trying to judge myself. Like, well, was I a good this? Was I a good Navy guy? Was I a good journalist? And I realized that the title I wear most proudly more often than not, is dad. And yeah. I wish more people got that, not just the veterans, but more people that are going through the stress of life realize that, hey, sometimes just being a dad, I mean, when I strut through the Home Depot and I can find stuff and I know mm. right where the weed killer is, or I, you no, know, I, absolutely. Can, I can find a wrench in under 10 minutes, I, I'm a... A bad bad man you know what <laughs> it, it, it same same goes for moms as well it's like you know i i really uh the term just a housewife just really blows mm. me away because the times when my wife goes away and she works uh, you know um she's a singer songwriter she's very talented but um when she goes away i'm i'm both and my daughter the other day, she accidentally called me mommy. And I said, I said, it's okay. I said, you know what? When, when daddy's away, mommy is mommy and daddy, you know, and we're, we're a team and that's how we roll, you know? So, you know, I'll pick up, I'll pick up the slack, you know, when, when mommy's not here. So it's cool. I'd love to see what uh, Rick Allen, the housewife, looks oh, God. like. That's, uh... No, one day she, she came downstairs, she said, daddy. I think you need to tidy the kitchen. It's starting to look like a bachelor bath. I'm sure. Well, your art <clears throat> helps support Project Resiliency. Your art also helps people, uh, you know, just feel good when they can have a piece of your artwork. Uh, it's at the Wentworth Galleries this weekend in Washington, D.C. There's one in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, and uh, one in Montgomery County, Maryland. All right. Uh, at the uh, Montgomery Mall, Westfields Montgomery. Both really nice <clears throat> malls. Yeah. yeah. And I can honestly say there was a moment, my high school's right next to the mall where you're going to show in Maryland. And I'm not going to lie, there's a couple moments when you may have made me late for class. When you may have been <laughs> taking a couple fault, laps man. around the parking garage, yeah. listening to some Def Leppard <laughs> back in the day, trying to... <laughs> Try to put a make on something, you know. It was your fault, buddy. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Now, what you couldn't see there was uh, Rick putting his thumb and forefingers together like I was uh, smoking a little Mary Jane. And that was reaching over like I was trying to get a kiss. <laughs> Do you have a favorite piece that's in this collection that you're... Right now, I did a, a Neil Peart. Uh, right, right after when oh, I when I heard, yeah. you know, out of all the people, out of all the dramas, he's probably you talk about me being inspiring. You know, he inspired so so many dramas. Yeah, man, man, yeah. yeah. So so anyway, I did a I did a really nice big piece, and um, it's actually here in in, in DC with oh, me. Cool. So hold the bidding on that one. I want to get in on that action because. Uh, 
I fancy myself a little bit of a drummer myself. So cool. I would like to. Uh, That's great. Do that, Rick Allen. I could talk all day, man. For all the stuff you've done for the veterans, uh, for all the stuff you've done in the mental health space, for helping us feel better, and uh, for all the inspiration you give through art, uh, I can't thank you enough. That's cool, man. I awesome. really appreciate it. Good to meet you, brother. All right, and you too. You can see all of Rick's artwork by going to wentworthgallery.com. And owning a piece of it will also help our veterans through the work of projectresiliency.org. You can also hear this full episode at connectingvets.com. Look in the audio section for CBS Eye on Vets. I'm Phil Briggs. Join me again next weekend for more great veteran stories on CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting May 1st. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because... Even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.